Charlie, the Bulldogs have got two flags now. That was two years ago, mate. Get over it. If you think we'll be insightful, clever or just when we search, we're here to say that's not the case. We'll just go out and wing it. We are two guys, one cup. It is a Tuesday, March 27. Welcome to Two Guys, One Cup, an AFL podcast. My name is Will Anderson. And my name is Charlie Clawson. And Will, like a lot of teams in round one, you got off to the perfect start. What are you talking about, Charlie? Round one is this weekend. I'm really looking forward to round one. I can't (laughs) wait for round one this weekend. Uh, The AFL season starts on the Easter weekend. And I don't know what happened last week. I assumed it was some sort of AFLX or AFLY or, you know, some sort of... I just assumed it was some sort of exhibition round, some sort of... It was the third match of the JLT, surely, last weekend, Charlie. I managed to see nearly every game this round, apart from the doggies and GWS. So I'm not sure what was the what was the final score. Yeah, no, that was a draw. It was a tie, I believe. It was. Look, you know what? Sometimes in backyard cricket, when you get out first ball, they give you another yeah. innings. And I think that yeah. like the Bulldogs definitely need a mulligan on the first round. A mulligan. That's a great idea. Maybe they should introduce that. A team that wins the flag, you also get a mulligan or a wild card. So you get to take back any kind of yeah you know, any defeat so you can wipe the percentage off and you start again you don't get the four points you just you just get to wipe the percentage out I and delete that. all and delete all recorded evidence of the game <laughs> what about cuz you know how they're always looking for incentives for the team that finishes first yeah. But because we have a t- competition where not everybody plays each other twice obviously um, you know it's hard to have a you know a real sort of honor for the team that finishes in first place but what about we bring in the mulligan rule so they yeah, don't get, it. they just get, like, if you finish first on the ladder next season, you can wipe off the percentage of the worst game that you have. It's kind of, you know, it's like one of those yeah. things where you just like, you eliminate the worst one out. That's the kind of, and then everything else counts. So you, you wipe out, you wipe out the, the percentage by saying it was a draw, the equivalent of a draw. A zero zero so draw. Zero zero zero. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Perfect. Yeah. At the end of the game though, the coach has to come out with the mulligan card. You can't call it retrospectively. So what you have is you have your mulligan card for the whole season. So the Tigers this year, Dimmer would have his mulligan card in his pocket and at any stage he can choose, but he has to play it on the ground immediately after the game. So there is an element of going, will we have Uh, a worse game than this later on in the season? Have we played our mulligan card too early? Yeah, yeah, because you lost to GWS. So, you know, you probably want to play your mulligan card. If you... If you lost to like Brisbane or some bottom ranked team, you'd be like, well, we still have to play a GWS or a Richmond or a Sydney. So chances are if we got beaten by 85 points this week, those guys could beat us by 100. So let's hang on to the mulligan. Oh, yeah. You'd definitely be like, if you got like towed up by 80 points by, uh, say, Gold Coast in the first round, you'd be saving that mulligan card for GWS. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Um, I will say this before we... Before we get to the weekend, I should celebrate mm. the fact that uh, the Bulldogs have won another premiership, though, Charlie. Uh, the Bulldogs are the AFLW premiers, which was very exciting. Mm. My weekend got off to such a good start football-wise. I actually 
went out and watched a bit of the game on Saturday out at uh, Icon and um, stood in the rain and watched some old-fashioned footy and it was a really amazing game and I thought both Brisbane and uh, the Bulldogs played an amazing brand of football, particularly in the wet. It was tough and it was hard and it was a really exciting game. One goal in it. Poor old Brisbane, you know, two grand finals in a row lost by, you know, a goal in each of them. So, But they were an amazing team as well. So it was uh, a very brilliant start to the weekend. So uh, we might as well start with the Bulldogs. Did you watch the game? Dear God, no. Dear God, did I not watch that game. I was going to watch it. And then uh, I was about 20 minutes late. I was doing something else and I was like going to... And then I just went, well, no, when's the Melbourne game on? <laughs> so that's interesting. So you, if you don't just uh, watch it on, you, if you can't see the start of the game, you'll check the score and decide whether or not, like you don't just wait, you don't record it and wait till you get home and, you know, try and avoid all social media. No, absolutely not. No, I, I'm, I, I would actually love, to be honest, the, my favorite way to like enjoy football would be if at the start of every match they gave you the score and then I could decide whether I felt in the mood for that experience that day or not. So, all right, let's, uh, let's, let's get your perspective on, on what happened. Oh, I don't know. We're terrible and I hate footy again. <laughs> God, it's crazy. I was thinking about you this weekend. It's like he has that flag. I was there with him. I saw the joy on his face when they won that flag. Are you telling me that like only a year later or just over a year later, the taste is washed out of your mouth and you're miserable again? A lot has changed since 2016. The world was a very different place in 2016, Charlie. I hadn't uh, hurt my back and not been able to sit down for three months. I hadn't been arrested and my team was actually good at football and won an AFL premiership. It was a great year, 2016. And what I am becoming ever aware of is that if I can chart a moment that my life peaked and has gone nothing but downhill since, it was grand final day 2016. It was the greatest day of my life and I feel now that I am having the suicide Tuesday (laughs) that comes with such a huge high. So it is kind of like that devil's bargain that someone always gives you. Would you... Let, you know, would you want to see your team win a premiership if it meant X horrible situation happening? So you have tasted the forbidden fruit, but now you are born into sin. Yeah, I'm not saying it wasn't worth it, but I'm just saying that now I'm experiencing the hard bit of it. Yeah, you know, exactly. like I, It's like if somebody had said to me, the Bulldogs will win the premiership and you'll get to be there and it'll be amazing. And in return, you have to not be able to sit down for three months in excruciating pain. You have to be arrested and you have to um, then watch your team disintegrate through injury, through some of your favourite players turning out to be absolute knobs and going to other clubs, uh, through an idea that you probably were lucky and that you know, you'd know you have to see Luke Beveridge go from being considered a genius of the modern game to someone who everyone suddenly thinks can't coach, that the club would be tearing itself apart with like presidents and vice presidents arguing about who can go in what gate, that they would literally think the solution to their problem was to sack their banner man. Like, that was the problem. Like, the problem at the club was that our banners were too funny. Like, you know, like, that I would have to see all this. Yes, I would still agree to it. Of course I would. But the thing that I would say is that now that it's happening, it's hard to go through. Yeah. Yeah. I, 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 I feel sorry for you. Not because I think my club is necessarily in a better position, but, you know, 
I could live with being poor if I'd never been rich. You know what I mean? Right. I've never been rich. So no. slopping around in the I've market. I've just gone back to economy. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome back, mate. Welcome back. Uh, be careful. The car will be coming past soon. It's going to hit you in the elbow a few times. That baby over there won't stop crying. And uh, my phone's ringing. This is really good. <laughs> we might have to pause this for a sec. I'm back in economy, Charlie. And mm. you know what? I spent a lot of my life traveling in economy. And I'll get used to economy again. I'm yeah. just in that period of time where I'm still... You know what I am? I'm yeah. in economy, but I'm wearing a pair of Qantas pajamas that I got yeah. when I flew business class and I'm sleeping in them in economy. I still feel like I should be in business class, but I'm back in economy. But the grading thing is, I just saw Hawthorne at the gate and they got a free upgrade. It looks like they're putting Hawthorne back into uh, business class. Can you believe it? Like, well, they're only in economy for one year and it looks like they're going straight back into business class. They've got a lot of frequent finals miles. <laughs> I really do. I mean, it was a kind of round. It was a great round. Like I, like I said, I managed to, to, to catch a lot of it and I was really, I, I enjoyed a lot of the games. But it was kind of like, it was the old reliables. It was the teams that are always good being good. It was like, you know, Sydney fucking pull it out of their ass again and Geelong, you know, somehow are fucking like amazing again and Hawthorne put an amazing display. It's like, okay. So you're playing the hits again. That, that, it feels like this season might be a bit more of the classics. Yeah, you know what it is. It's like the big four banks are back. You know, yeah. we started we started up some independent, you know, mortgage broker firm that had yeah. a bit of success, and then yeah. the big four just got together and they're back. Yeah, or to use a wrestling analogy, you were the WCW. You're brash young upstart. You came out. You're extremely popular for for a real brief second, and then the monolith just came back and crushed you, put you back in your place. They've absorbed you. More than They've turned you into. A- more than, more than anything, Charlie, I'm worried that we're Psy. Psy? Oh! <laughs> we're yeah. Gangnam Style, yeah. you know? We're, we're a one-hit wonder. Like, the Bulldogs are the Psy of the AFL. Came out of nowhere, took everyone by storm. It was everyone's favourite song for a period of yeah. time and then faded from obscurity, couldn't even get a gig at the closing ceremony of the uh, Olympics in his own country. If anyone uh, can do this kind of video editing thing, could you just take a, a dance scene from Gangnam Style, the one where Sai's at the front with all the people, put Luke Beveridge's head on Sai, and then the rest of the team on the people dancing in the background? Just to like the chorus of Gangnam Style. If you do that, I swear we'll post it, we'll, we'll pump the shit out of it. I'd love to see that. <laughs> woof, 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 <laughs> bulldog style. <laughs> That's what the AFL should have done when they redid the songs. They should have done a series of club-appropriate parody songs. Yeah, got Widow Yankovic to come in and just like, give me the history of the club. I mean, he's a modern-day Mike Brady. So they get they go, what they need is we need some Mike Brady-style footy songs. Who's yeah. a modern-day sort of uh, person who could do that? And they get Weird Al out from the US, Meatloaf style. I mean, what a yeah. great halftime entertainment at the grand final when Weird Al comes out and does like the various competing clubs, you know, parody themes, and then yeah. you know does a little bit of Eat It and like you know some sort of yeah. AFL poker at the end. Mate, that would make a fortune if Weird Al did a tour of Australia, doing like eighteen team parody songs and then you know for an encore just went into eat it and stuff like i would buy a ticket to see that charlie i've yeah. got it weird 
AFL Yankovic. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, we're ending the podcast. <laughs> we will not get better than that. Weird AFL Yankovic. <laughs> it was an amazing round of footy, I will tell you that. It, it mm. felt like first round and all the stars came out to play. If you like the yes. idea of seeing... It, I get you know what it was like. I reckon it was like this first weekend was like going to one of those. Um, you know they have Coachella for old people, and they get yeah. like the Rolling Stones and Wings and like you know Tom Petty and all that sort of thing, and they get them all out in the desert to do sort of you know, and it'd just be amazing. I feel like that's what the first round was. It was all you know the the Bonos and the you know the um, Mick Jaggers and came out to play and were on yeah. their best show. Yeah, it was also um, a new season for haircuts. Now, I made a couple of observations in the games I was watching. Sam Powell Pepper's new haircut. Have you seen that? Mm. Well, yeah, I watched that game. He was amazing again, but I don't skinhead. know what his haircut is. Skinhead, yes. What? Like, is he going for... The, is this the Milhanna tribute look? Well, didn't he have a rat's tail last season? Was he not rocking some sort of rat's tail last season? No, Sam Petrovsky seaton I believe, was the rat's tail one. I see I get oh. them confused because they're triple-barreled names. Right, but, yeah. Yeah, no, I think he just had like a normal haircut. But this, I don't remember him being balding like a Gary Ablett or whatever, and so he's just decided to take it all off. It, it looks like he has joined like an alt-right activist group. Well, I mean, look, statistically... In an AFL competition, and I'm certainly not casting aspersions in his direction, but, you know, the alt-right is a market that's been capitalised on by a range of industries. It wouldn't surprise me if at some stage there was the first sort of alt-right. I mean, it'd be great if he just ran out onto the ground with a tiki torch. (laughs) (laughs) And he just goes, the Dockers will not replace us. The Dockers will not replace us. It's like, I don't know. Sam's, uh, Sam's taking this a bit too far. He's a, very fine, he's a very fine footballer. I'll say that much. Yeah, he's a beautiful footballer, but refuses to even kick on his left. <laughs> yeah, that, uh, that haircut threw me. Every time I saw him, I'm like, I'm not sure I'm into that. And the other thing I, that I noticed was we have seen the return of this skinny rubber headband. So Cameron Guthrie's been rocking it for a while, but Hunter Clark for the Saints also has the skinny rubber headband. Marcus Bontempelli has a skinny rubber headband. What other sport do players with long hair wear the skinny rubber headband? Not, because hear me out. In basketball, it's normally the furry sweat absorbing one. Yep. In soccer, they tend to have like headbands, like almost girl headbands. They but do. that, it's a very distinct like, where do you get that? Like, where do you buy well, that well, firstly, headband? Firstly, I guess, it, like, you couldn't do it in soccer because you might use your forehead in soccer, right? Right, So you couldn't have, course. like, a rubber band on your, your forehead. You've got to have yeah. your, you know, your sort of, you know, private girls' school look <laughs> that they rock in soccer. J May, yeah. Um, I imagine you can't wear your sort of ten- tennis-style bandana ones or your like basketball style <laughs> oh, no. like if you got one of if you got one of sam Powell pepper's teammates to wear one you've almost got a, a cruel pirates there you got the bald one you got the guy with the bandana you just need a dude with a wooden leg <laughs> i thought you were gonna say they would look like gangster rappers and i thought it would be a great uh name for a band is salt and Pell pepper <laughs> but oh. <laughs> i know it's a long way to go but i thought it was a support worth it. act for a weird afl jankovic yeah we can put a whole thing together yeah. Um, I think that 
Well, you know, at high school, there used to be those like black rubber bands that people would wear as sort of bracelets. Yeah. Do you remember like this? Friendship that ever- bra- like live strong kind of Armstrong type things. Oh, so no, pre- the ones you wrap around a few times. No. So, okay. No. So maybe even further back than this, or maybe it was just a regional thing. Maybe it was just in my area, but right. um, it was your kind of your friendship bracelet types thing, but it was just a black plain rubber band and they were taken out of, they were like some sort of thing that you used in plumbing or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Right, right, right. So well, that's what it looks like. It, it, it has no obvious origin, you know, like I can't imagine you going to like a sports store and buying that from the headband section. Like, where are you getting it from, AFL players? Maybe if anyone out there can let us know where the headbands come from. I mean, you've got contacts down at, at, uh, at the Bulldogs. See what Bontempelli uses. I can send I it. I mean, I feel like this is not the week to call them on that matter. <laughs> <laughs> We've got to get a mate back on the show sometime. I think this is the perfect excuse. <laughs> a, a mate thinks we're going to call in to talk about football, but it's just about the headband. Um, they do look a little bit like the sort of rubber tourniquet you might use in a sort of... <laughs> to like, shoot you know, up. To shoot up. Is there any chance that when Essendon shut down their supplements program, they had a few rubber hoses left over and Stephen Danks you sort of repurposed them, fidget spinner yeah. style? Like yeah, the fidget yeah. spinner wasn't invented as that, but somebody turned it into a toy, right? They thought it would be a good toy. So is there a chance that they've you know, had all this rubber around and they're going, well, how can we repurpose this? Maybe... Chris Judd, as part of his busy recycling role, has come down ah. to the club and gone, well, you know, you could actually recycle those uh, rubber uh, tubings into some sort of you know, affordable and practical headband. So uh, speaking of uh, the Blues, what did you think? Um, I thought they were all right. Yeah, I don't like it, Will. <laughs> you know how I, I know feel you about don't this. Like it. I watched it with no joy. I mean, Charlie Curnow comes of age. There's a lot of excitement. They took it to the premiers for three quarters. I don't like it. Well, here's the thing, Charlie. You got Mm. to see them. This was a bit like, you know, you've compared, you know, before Carlton to, you know, the Darth Vader story when it comes to Star Wars. Is there a chance that, because Richmond are up and about now, you know, 90,000 people round one, like absolutely amazing result. Um, they're pretty confident. We had Alex Rance in on our radio show this week, Charlie. I mm. stood right next to Alex Rance. And you know how on the football field, like he looks impossibly handsome, right? right. But you know how sometimes when you see someone on the football field and then you mm. see them in real life, you're like, oh, Ugh. you look you look impossibly handsome on a football field, but in real yeah. life, you look a bit weird. Yeah. This was not that case. Ugh. In any way, he is stunningly attractive. <laughs> like literally really? when you stand next to him, you can't help. He kind of glows a little <laughs> and you can't, like he really does. And you can't help but just want to tell him how attractive he is. <laughs> like you can't help but just point out. It's like if someone was wearing like a top hat or whatever, you would have to mention the top hat. He is mm. so handsome that you just feel like it's weird that you don't every now and again just acknowledge how handsome he is. Do you think it, because for, for, for me, the allure of Alex Rance, definitely handsome dude, but it's the way he plays the game. It's the cavalier way he attacks the contest, you know? It's the way he flies to the ball. Like he plays like he's Errol Flynn, like sword fighting the guy on top of like a ship's mast or something. Like he's got that 
old school matinee idol kind of quality. Do you think that feeds into the physical package? Yes. Like right. I think he, I think he has that adventurous sort of approach to life. Yeah, you know, like, like I mean, like an Indiana he, Indiana Jones or a or a Zorro, any of those kind of like traditional matinee idol heroes. Well, a lot of people don't know that, but um, that year he was going to take off. He was actually going to go on an archaeological dig to try to steal <laughs> some ancient relics. <laughs> Did you have him in before the game on Friday or after? No, Monday. Yeah, so on Monday morning afterwards. So I'll tell you this, um, speaking of Alex Rance and his confidence, um, when I said to him at one stage, I've just got to say, you're really handsome. He said, well, you just got to work with what you have. (laughs) (laughs) Easy for a good looking man to say. Um, yeah, oh, look, they, Richmond were good. Like, if you're a Richmond fan, you'd be happy enough with how they were. Carlton mm. were very good, also I thought. Good. For it's one of those. Ga- it's one of those games which is a win-win. You know, there's a couple of games this round where I felt that, where it's like the team that lost, even if they lost by like four or five goals, if they're a team that people have low expectations of and they show some fight. And that's kind of, I guess, you know, what's galling about the Bulldogs' loss is... It's the perceived capitulation. It was like you, two years ago, you were the team that, you know, were just frenetic in your attack on the ball and your commitment to each other and stuff. And it just wasn't there, right? It's the biggest loss under Luke Beveridge. So that puts it, I mean, that that would be the one that I, I would have thought that Luke Beveridge would have played his career mulligan on that one. If every coach <laughs> got a career mulligan, if you coached enough games, or if you're a premiership coach, you also get a career mulligan. Then yeah. he would take that as his career mulligan. I think about all those poor coaches of St Kilda in the 80s. Like, what game do you play your career mulligan on? Like, there was a period of time where we were regularly getting belted by 10-plus goals. No, you misunderstood, Charlie. You have to be a premiership coach to get your mulligan. So <laughs> it's not something they would have had to worry about. And um, so does Clarko get four mulligans? Yeah, absolutely he gets four mulligans. Yeah, right. Four career mulligans. I hate Hawthorne. <laughs> um, here's, here's what I'll tell you about Carlton, uh, is that yeah. they're already tearing Carlton apart a little bit in Melbourne, though. What do you mean? Oh, the backlash? Well, yeah, there's been a bit of a backlash. <sighs> oh, and that's re- good. Yeah, you, you'd love it. Um, yeah. There's been a lot of talk this week, which I think is really unfair, but there's been a lot of talk this week that Silvani is only getting a game because his dad is Stephen Silvani, you know, down at the club. And uh, there's been a lot of, like, the airwaves have been dominated by this idea that, you know, it's just nepotism and one of them has to go. And, you know, it's a, it, like, right. it's, it's been quite a big issue. Is it, um, is that coming from Carlton supporters? Is he a whipping boy? He's a bit of a whipping boy, I think. I think it's got to be. I mean, well, here's the other thing. If you're a supporter of another team, none of your fucking business. Like, yeah. that's, that's their team. They can make whatever, you know, good or bad decisions that they want to make. No, I think mm. it's Carlton supporters. I think Carlton supporters are unhappy with it, which is interesting in itself, right? That's bizarre. Like, that'd be the equivalent of a St Kilda supporter being angry at Connor Harvey, you know? Like, you, you think some... I mean, if I was a Carlton supporter with that name, what, with what Stephen did for the club, he should get a game each week. I think Susan Alberti should get a game each week with the Bulldogs. Mate, we might as well play her at the moment. <laughs> and if Marcus Bontempelli wants to adopt a kid, we'll play him. <laughs> yeah, Charlie Kerno though, that's exciting, isn't it? I mean, you can't not 
like that. Even a Carlton hater like me is like, oh, fuck, it's good to see that kid like actually explode. Well, not just him though, Cripps. Like, I mean, I well, know but, Cripps. But Cripps has been good for a while. Well, here's what I would say about Cripps though. Cripps was unreal when he started. And then last season, he had a tougher season for some injuries and some other reasons. But he came out of the blocks like Dusty Martin. Like, yeah, that's true. You know, you know, I said my wish for this season was that Bontempelli might step up into that sort of bracket of being one of the you know, sort of top four or five A-grade midfielders in the game. There's a big chance that that might actually be Cripps. He was massive. Like, his contested work... Yeah, He's I was going to say, wasn't it like 20, 25 contested possessions or something? Yeah, crazy. That's insane. And they still lost. I mean, that's, that's either, uh, you know, like bad on their part or it means Richmond are really just really good still. Yeah. Well, our poor old mate Levi Casbolt is a bit of a – wasn't a good night for Levi, unfortunately. Um, so Carlton still have a few of those players in the team where you're like, well, you can't – you're not going to be a really, really good team if you've – yeah, you've got a few of these holes that you still have. You're writing off the bolt. Yes. I think really? it's time. Yeah, I think it's time. And so you're Travis cloaking him. Yeah, I think yeah, I think it's time for Levi to come to the Bulldogs and be disappointed for a couple of years. <laughs> I mean he is he could either go he can go one or two ways. He can go Travis Cloak or Jesse White. Look, admittedly, neither of them are great options, but I mean, what the Bulldogs really need is another tall forward who can't get a game in the first. We could have yeah, a really could, top, top heavy forward line in our VFL team. You guys need to reboot a Simon Minton Connell stat. <laughs> where's Simon Minton Connell Jr.? Where he's, where's his kid? Uh, uh, what about Friday night's game? Bombers versus a Crows. Now, I think it's worth pointing out we uh, fluted the idea that. 2018 was going to be the year that Adelaide ran out of goodwill. And none other than John O'Brown echoed the same sentiment before the game. He was like, they had like their best shot last year. It was the, it was the feel-good story. Everyone was riding with them. But now, like, there's nothing for them. Like, they, they're starting back at square one. Yeah, this is the same John O'Brown who on Sunday night, when Luke Parker kicked that goal over his head that will probably win goal of the year, uh, said that it was good to see Luke Parker back because, you know, he'd had a bit of a tough season last year. And I, based on the knowledge of three days before where we'd looked it up on the internet, was like, well, that's wrong, John O'Brown. I think you'll find that Luke Parker won the best and fairest at the Sydney Swans last year. Yeah, two guys, one cup should not be correcting anyone on their football knowledge. What was that stat? We put 12 teams in the top eight and six into the top four? Yeah. And look, I still think we got some wrong. I still managed to pick that Geelong wouldn't make the top eight. I picked 12 teams in the top eight. Didn't get Geelong in there. Um, good game, though. That was, one of the, that was another cracker, I thought, the Essendon game. Looked like Adelaide had it in the bag and then Essendon came storming home. Jakey Stringer, I don't... I mean, if I was a Bulldog supporter, I wouldn't be crying too many tears over his performance. Did a couple of things, but I don't know. I think he could be a dude who just never quite... You know, I mean, he's clearly an impact player, but... I. I it wouldn't surprise me if he just kind of flips and flops for the rest of his career. Uh, I think that Stringer is the icing on the cake, but it's already got to be like a triple layer, you know, super cake. Like he's, he's only got to be the thing that you add into something that is already working. He is hotting up your car. Uh, Stringer yeah. is pimping your ride. 
You've already got to yeah. have a car that works and that operates. And then it's like, he's, you know what he is? He's the flat what? screen TV that they put in the back of your, your car on, on Pimp, Pimp Your Eye. Yeah, he's the bedazzler you put on your denim jacket. Yeah, exactly. You've already got to have the denim jacket. But uh, they look good. They look good, the Bombers. And, I mean, that was without Zach Merritt, um, my favourite player for most of the game. It's weird, Charlie, because you trying to remember Zach Merritt was much like the concussion he suffered on Friday (laughs) night. You guys were having about the same amount of difficulty remembering his name. In fact, that, that, that was the test they went with. That's their new concussion test down there. They show you a picture of Zach Merritt, and if you can identify him in less time than it took you, you're right to go back on the field. But if you can't, you're off with the concussion, and he failed the Zach Merritt test. If you are Brendan Goddard and you retire now, are you remembered more as a saint or more as a bomber? Saint. Really? How many I more think years? So. How many more years to become remembered as a bomber? Well, I, I feel mean, you, like... Do you remember Chris Judd as a blue or an eagle? Uh, both. Right. Won a brown low at Carlton. So, you know, it's one of those things. He won a premiership at West Coast. He won a, a brown low there, but he won a brown low at Two. Carlton as well. Two brown lows at Carlton, wasn't it? No, he, he was favourite one other year and didn't win, remember? No, he's won two Brownlows, hasn't he? Yeah, he won one at West Coast, won one at Carlton. Oh, was it at West Coast? Right, yeah. okay. And uh, he right. won a premiership at West Coast and he didn't at Carlton. But I think that's still, you've t- had two substantial, you know, things at each club. You're a two-club player. You can be remembered as both. I reckon mm. BJ's got to have, I, yeah, I would have thought that they have to play in a grand final. Like, yeah, to get the, I reckon he has to get to the level that he did at the Saints, which is play in a grand final. Well, he, he could have been a Norm Smith medalist. It would have been between him and Lenny Hayes in 2009. So if he wins a Norm Smith, which he's the kind of player who you could definitely see doing that. He's a big-time player. Uh, yeah, he could be remembered as a bomber. Uh, do you remember a plugger as a saint or a swan? Uh, both. Won a brown low at the Saints, played in a grand final at the Swans and broke a goal-kicking record. You're right. That's the rule. You right. have to achieve something significant at either club to be remembered as both. Yeah. So, Buddy Franklin, Hawk or a Swan? Hmm, that's a hard one. Because all those flags with Hawthorne, but he's won Coleman's at both. Played grand finals at both. I guess he's got to be a Hawk. I don't know. That's a good one. He's a both, I think. I think he's, he's already. Lo- I think he's locked in enough at Sydney to be well, a both. If you had to say to me, what player sums up Sydney? <laughs> It's Lance Franklin. Like, that is... I mean, if Jake Stringer moved to the Gold Coast, I'd be like, oh, that makes sense. Like, those players epitomise the teams they play for, don't you think? Maybe that's how they should do it more. Did you ever <laughs> they see that draft. movie? Well, did you see that movie? It was a knockoff of um, uh, sort of the Hunger Games. It wasn't, but it was a similar sort of thing. And it had that other popular young actress in it. And the idea that they were split off into different it was called like uh divergent no, divergent right what yeah. if they um did the afl draft divergent style so they player like they get all the player personality types and then you are sent to the club that best matches your personality type yeah all right so let's go through what that would be then so let's start in wa so west coast surfer gotta have that curly blonde hair maintain a tan well into the year surfer right Surfer. Yeah, exactly. If you come into the the draft camp meeting in November and you're still rocking a pretty good tan from last summer, West Coast. 
<laughs> now, Frio, it can be a bit of a crossover. So if you can have the curly hair, be a surfer. But I think you've got to be a bit flakier. You know what I mean? I reckon you've got to come in like maybe, you've, yeah, you've got to have a little bit more of that sort of, you know, you might be a surfer, but you also might play bongos. Yeah, that's, that's right. You've definitely got a shark's tooth necklace or seashell bracelet or something like that. All right, South Australia. So you've got yep. port. Criminal. <laughs> Do you, you have look a criminal like, record? Port. You look like Sam Palpepper. If you've, getting, if you've been recruited out of Juvenile Hall, port. Their academy is actually a juvie. Yeah, Adelaide. <laughs> what would Adelaide be? Um, Bo- boring. <laughs> <laughs> like if you are if you are completely adequate in every way but offer no real excitement you're playing for adelaide yeah there is an element of that about adelaide isn't there that you're like what would adelaide just be people who were born in adelaide who never want to leave adelaide they never that's what the adelaide perfect. team should be a hundred percent yeah um, they should okay. they should refuse to do the interview anywhere but adelaide and you go right you've passed you're in <laughs> Gold Coast, I think that's well established on this podcast. You're just yeah. like a Jakey Stringer type. Flaky drug addicts. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Brisbane. What personality are you at Brisbane? I mean, I think that Brisbane, you're someone who I think, because I'm, I'm thinking the classic Brisbane, you know. Right, yeah, yeah. Right. So I think that Brisbane, what you want to be is like, a guy who's happy to be in the third best band in town. That's yeah. what Brisbane is, you know, like you're a guy who wants to play AFL, but not in a place where anyone really cares about AFL. Yeah. Like, you know, you love the game, but you don't like the things that go on around the game. Perfect for Brisbane because you are going to yeah. get no attention as an AFL player. I feel like, I feel like <laughs> if it, like people like Brisbane because it has some really good spots and it's a really comfortable town to live in. But it's not the big city of like a Melbourne or a Sydney. Right, yeah. Like maybe some country kids, you know, people aren't ready to move to like the real big city. Do you like some warm weather, but you don't like drugs? Then Brisbane rather than the Gold Coast. (laughs) Yeah. So Sydney, flashy, uh, 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 flashy, can't afford... you need a no, you need a real estate portfolio. You need to have studied you need to have studied real estate to get into Sydney. Because that's the only thing. That's where all your money's going to be going. Rent or mortgage. Yeah. No, basically if you come into the negotiation in the first place before the draft and before they ask any questions, you ask, How much am I being paid for this? Sydney. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. GWS is easy because it's what they are is you're just the fucking high achievers. You are the school captains, the state representatives, like overachievers. That's easy for GWS. Yeah. Right. If you were, if you were school football captain and school captain, GWS. Yeah. Prodigy. <laughs> if you were a Doogie Hauser who graduated high school early because of your marks, but decided to play football while also getting a degree from MIT, GWS. GWS. Yeah. Collingwood. Criminal. Other criminals. <laughs> Victorian criminals. <laughs> Port Adelaide is for criminals who can't go across the border and Collingwood yeah. is for criminals right across the country. No. How they recruit Collingwood players is they take they do they do a data a data sweep of people who spend Saturday nights on King Street. <laughs> in Melbourne. In fact, they recruit on King Street in Melbourne. Yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> the recruiters don't go to AFL, to junior AFL games. They go to King Street nightclubs. North Melbourne. Um, I think that's a similar to a Brisbane kind of thing. I think North Melbourne is you pick people who from not working class roots, but not really middle class either, somewhere in between. A lot of pride in their work. People with great self-esteem. People, Will, who you might say have a little shinbona spirit. <laughs> That's how you test them. You bring them in for the, measure, for, for the testing, the psychological testing. You hand them just like a, a tin can with a little lid on top. And you say to them, just uh, take the lid off that and take a whiff. Tell me what you smell. <laughs> and if they say nothing, they're out the door. But if they take a whiff... And you see a transformation happen well. Their chest puffs out. They're now walking 10 feet tall. That's a little Shimona spirit. I, I think that North uh, would recruit every under 15 club in the country and they'd find out who in the under 15s won best trier. Yeah. <laughs> and that would be their recruit. Yeah, that's it. You go to every junior club, find out who got the best clubman. Best award. clubman. You've been recruited to North. Hawthorne. <laughs> if yeah if you're the dude if you're the fucking if you're the dude at high school that everyone fucking hates but it's not because you're a douche it's just because you're fucking good at everything not dissimilar to the gws guys hawthorne yeah essentially uh yeah the guy who fucked your girlfriend and you go hey i get it hawthorne yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> Essentially how they recruited Hawthorne, I reckon, is they play a series of games against the young players and if someone and they're games of chance and and if they win more than one in every two, Hawthorne. Yeah. <laughs> Carlton. Um Mafia. <laughs> Just recruit straight from the, the Carlton crew. So somebody somebody who asks to get paid cash. Carlton. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. If the if their entrance interview ends with is that your best offer? Yeah. Carlton. Carlton. Melbourne. Um mentally they, fragile. Uh, if in the psych testing they they panic under pressure, you're going to play for the demons. Uh anyone who pulls out of the interview at the last moment because they're worried about how it might go, recruit <laughs> Melbourne. Tigers. It's hard to say now, you know. My friend Max Barry, uh, who I went to high school with, who's a, a brilliant author and a Richmond Tigers fan, uh, messaged me during the week after the podcast to say that he believed that we were right about Richmondy in that it's done. You know, there's nothing right. that could happen this season that would, um, you know, take it back, right? Okay. Now, that said, if you told me a week ago, that there was any way in the world that I wouldn't think that Steve Smith was the greatest cricketer in the world, I also would have been surprised by that knowledge. So, you know, shit happens, Charlie. It turns out things <laughs> can change quite quickly. But, um, yeah, I yeah, I don't know. I think, I think maybe it would be someone, if you recruit from people who have, uh, from rehab clinics, <laughs> for like people who have overcome a deep-set flaw, and have got their lives back on track. Like normally, you you know, when you interview people, they try and hide that information about themselves, but you deliberately want to know, have you been a joke for a long period of time, not been able to get your shit together, and now you have? You're in at Richmond now. 
You know what I suspect Richmond might be? I reckon they might be like your friend who was like an alcoholic, but they were a fun drunk. And now they've yeah. straightened out their life and they won't stop boring you at parties about how they did it. Yeah. <laughs> St Kilda. St Kilda, I think if you, similar to uh, Adelaide, if you did all the metrics and it was completely average in every respect with sometimes some real dips, <laughs> some real bottom out performances, like if you're someone who never, you don't have to worry about ever achieving high grades or anything like that. Maintain just like an average level of grades, but you actually f inconceivably flunk out of things all of the time and to somehow still going, you're playing for the Saints. I would like to think that St Kilda uh, should go with the policy they seem to have implemented a bit of already and just recruit guys called Jack. Yeah. <laughs> that should be their policy. Is your name Jack? You're recruited to St Kilda. We're going to have a team of Jacks. We're going to be literally jacks of all trade. And it's going to be one of those things like, um, you know, Negan in uh, The Walking Dead, where like Negan was one person, but also everyone was Negan. Like everyone right. in his community was like, I am Negan. You know, I think that's what it's like at St Kilda. Just everyone's jack. And the Bulldogs. Well, I mean, you know, the Bulldogs, I'm starting to suspect of Stephen Bradbury. Right. You know, you've, you've yeah. got, you know, you've got just to, happy to just happy to be there. Just happy to get the interview. You know what? Just had one good season. We should recruit a whole bunch of people who just had one breakout season. We were never able to reproduce that form. Speaking of uh, the Jacks at St Kilda, did you see Jack Stevens game? I did. I did. Very good. Pretty bloody good, wasn't it? Very it actually good. surprised me. I had... I had not thought of, because uh, he, uh, he had hamstring issues last year and I'd actually forgotten how good he was. But, you know, the worry about St Kilda, the whole kind of off season is like, oh God, like we wanted to be targeted like a gun midfielder, but we couldn't get one. It's like, oh shit, that's right. Like Jack Stephen was pretty good before he did his hamstrings. Oh, uh, he was a gun midfielder. And like last year you were like, oh, is he just got slow? And you're like, well, yeah. no, he had hamstring problems. So that does make you a yeah. little bit slower. And... You know, now that he seems to be, you know, flying again, you're like, well, he is, he's definitely a, a gun midfielder. And look, I thought there was, you talked me out of backing St Kilda last <laughs> week, which I'm never going to trust you again because I've been a real St Kilda believer. And now I feel yeah. like I jumped, I, I jumped off. They look good. I thought, Bris I, again, this is one of those games, win-win a bit, right? Yeah, like Brisbane, yeah, definitely. Brisbane looked good enough and they had a couple of injuries and stuff that, you know, didn't help them out very much. And the Saints yeah. looked... The Saints look great. You know, the odd thing about that game was it was under the roof and it was not a day for tall forwards. Like, Paddy McCartan didn't touch it. Hipwood didn't touch it. But it was mainly one in the midfield. Charlie Cameron, by the way, like, if you're talking about dudes who should be playing for that club, he suits Brisbane. Like, it was weird seeing him in the Brisbane colours kicking those first few goals. I'm like, I was like the Mandela effect or something. I was like, has he always plays for Brisbane? Because this looks so right. He just fits into that team so well. Gave them exactly what they need. And he just looks good in that uniform. I am starting to think that the Brisbane uniform is quite flattering. Because I know Hodgie went from the yellow and brown, which is not the most flattering of all the, the uniforms. Mm. But yeah. he looked good in the Brisbane uniform. Yeah, and Hodgie was good too. I, I thought, thought he was really good. Outstanding. You'd be yeah, happy. there's a lot to like... A lot to like about Brisbane, I think. I mean, it was and good to see their coach, Stuart Jew, get his first win, of course. <laughs> <laughs> there was something at the end of the game I thought was pretty funny. 
and I don't know um, uh, if this is a new thing, but we, we've talked in the past about the uh, Gatorade Bukaki, mm-hmm. uh, a phrase coined by our friends over at uh, Junk Time AFL. AFL. Um, so Hunter Clark got his Bukaki, but they use bottles of water. Mm. And we speculated last year that it was fairly inconsiderate to uh, uh, the, the cleaners to have to sort of clean up the sticky floors. So I'm wondering if that's been an edict that they're like, you can Bukaki all you want, fellas, just it's got to be water. Well, I'd like to go a step further, to be honest with you, Charlie. I mean, in this day yeah. and age of, you know, like, I mean, I myself am guilty of drinking more bottled water than I should, but I do endeavor when possible to not drink bottled water. And I think if you're not going to drink it and you're just going to spray it on people, I would like to see each of the players be given some sort of keep cup. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and that they should put tap water in there rainwater filtered rainwater that they've collected sustainably and they all <laughs> yeah. get their little keep cup and then they do the the shower yeah yeah well definitely at carlton considering the busy sponsorship they should definitely be using keep cups i can't remember what game it was but there was a first gamer who uh Bukaki'd himself did you see that photo i mean what young man hasn't accidentally done that charlie <laughs> It's a bit weird, though, to be standing in the middle of the circle getting bakakied and you're, like, standing there bakakying yourself. Uh, I mean, look, it's it's a bit weird. <laughs> There's no doubt about that. It's probably going to be one of those things that you live with for a very long time, being the AFL's first self bakakia <laughs> Port looked good. Yeah. I, uh, I was, I, I, you know, they're another team that I was, like, even, that game was okay for, like, a half, but... It, I actually enjoyed watching them play, which I haven't felt for about four years with Port. Like, I mean, how happy is Jack Watts to be away from Melbourne? Like, he's he's like he's got a bounce in his step. He looks so happy. He played really well. You've got to be happy with how he played if you're Port Adelaide and Dixon. Motlop. Motlop. Like, all their gun midfielders are amazing. Like, they are yeah. a very entertaining team to watch. I mean, obviously, they're going to miss Paddy Ryder. Um, you yeah. know, uh, he's got an injury. He's going to be out for six to eight weeks. So, is this the highest rate of Paddies we've played having? Like Paddy Dangerfield, Paddy McCartan, Paddy Ryder, all playing at once? Can you remember another Paddy period? Uh, Paddy, I can't even remember. Oh, Paddy, Paddy, Paddy Dow for Carlton. Oh. It's got to be the most Paddies ever playing. This at is once. four Paddies. I can't even remember another Paddy. Are we we're yeah. in an unprecedented Paddy era. Yeah. You could say we're Paddy Pack. We are. I mean, it's good to see so many patties out on the paddock. Yeah. You got four all-beef patties. <laughs> good. We got there in the end. It was worth the journey. Yeah. I was trying to find it. We were searching for the yeah. pun. Just like, it's out there somewhere. I was working on some patty cake bit, but the four all-beef yeah. patties was much better. <laughs> uh, yeah, they look good. Um, it's interesting. There was obviously a couple of clubs went out and recruited really well over the summer, Port Adelaide being one of them. It's, I think it's really, it gives me heart to think that, because we, this is what we have to do. This is a strategy the Saints have to take. If we're going to, if we're going to actually sort of finish top four or or even climb into that bracket, we need to be aggressive like that and go out to like a Tom Lynch or someone like that. Just one of those kind of A graders, because it does make a difference. Like you, You'd like to think it doesn't. You'd like to think you can grow up from the ground up. But the fact of the matter is it's a fucking business and there's some like high-priced top-shelf items out there and you've got to save up your money and go out and get them. I think going back to Moorabbin helps that. Like I think we can, if we can make finals this year 
or even just like, you know, even if we finish just outside, we could maybe go get a couple of like a Motlop and a Watts for us. Or them. Just get them back from Port Adelaide. They're both great. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> We'd like a Watts player and a Motlop player. Fuck it. Let's just see if they'll come back to Victoria. That'd be great. Um, well, you know, Brisbane have got to be happy. They play pretty well in their game and their captain played very well for Port Adelaide. <laughs> Uh, the Gold Coast game. Now, Jesus Christ, like, what can you say about that that hasn't been said already? It was wet. I know that's been said. They no, no, nearly called it off because it I was, mean, there's some amazing images of that game. There was like a foot of water on the field. Yeah. I mean, it just reminded me of junior footy. Like my uh, home ground for East Brighton, Hurlingham Park, one of the pockets had a dip in it. So in a Melbourne winter when it would rain a lot, that pocket would just turn into a pool. And like, it was the worst thing because I used to play in the back pocket. The worst thing was when the ball would come down that end of the ground because you knew you basically just had to take a slide and do a bath. What about this, Charlie? Like, what about the mm. conversation that that sort of stuff is character building, right? Like, the, these Victorian clubs yeah. all have this history because they grew up in, when you had the cold showers at Collingwood. They grew up in an era where you had to play in the mud and the rain and that's where their history mm. and their culture comes from. That's where that supporter base comes from, standing, you know, on the hill at, uh, you know, the Western Oval, you know, in the rain, you know, with your team not scoring a goal until three-quarter time. That what, that's what gives your club a culture and something to build from. Yeah. The Gold Coast that's don't have their home stadium for the first 10 rounds or whatever because of the Commonwealth Games. Could Stuart Dew put in a sort of accelerated sort of old school football education. Cultural experience. Right. So every week yes, they have I, to play some sort of like every round's retro round for Gold Coast for the first 10 yeah. rounds. Yeah. And they let Gold Coast supporters drive their cars up yeah. onto the hill and honk their horns after every goal. Right. Full strength beer. They have one round where they can all drink full yeah. strength beer. They can bring their own beer and then yeah. stand on the eskies. Yeah. Yeah, there should be like dogs running around behind the goal. So when like a goal gets kicked, you see like a like a Labrador chasing after it. <laughs> Just an old school footy education. I would like to see one round where if it, the ball goes onto the wing, the crowd can join in on a fight. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'd love to see like at half time, you know, in like a VFL, you can go out and get in the huddle. Like you can listen to the coach's yeah. address. I'd like to see that happen, but I'd like to see someone bring out a tray of pies for Stewie Dew just to <laughs> munch on during his like quarter time. Address. Party pies instead of oranges. They all just pass around party <laughs> pies. One round the Gold Coast players can still smoke at halftime. I mean, it was insane. You can, you can understand why there was, uh, they were thinking of calling it off. I did see one bit of play. I didn't watch the whole game because it was awful. But uh, in the first half, uh, Gold Coast legend Lockie Weller did you see him get absolutely fucking poleaxed because of the conditions? He collected the ball on the wing, was running to take his kick, but his foot literally went into a puddle. He lost balance, scrubbed the ball, and as he was scrubbing it, a player just came in from the side and knocked him on his ass. It was like you thought he was dead. Like it was so bad. And the reason you thought he was dead was you thought he had drowned. Yeah. And what do you say about North? Isn't that the kind of conditions that brings out the shin bonus spirit? Nah, not in Cairns, mate. You can't take shin bonus spirit on a plane to Cairns. Yeah, I guess not. You don't want to. You don't want to be flying into. Well, no, that's not true. A lot of people fly into the Gold Coast with uh, undeclared substances on their persons. Oh yeah, absolutely, mate. But shin bonus spirit is one of those things that a lot of people don't know this. But the further away you get from Arden Street, the less and less power the shin bonus spirit has because it draws its power 
from being close to Arden Street. So essentially, it's uh, you know right. what it's like, Sim Bonus Spirits. Like it's like communal wine. Like it's actually yeah. just normal wine, but once it has the blessing, you know, it becomes the blood yeah. of our Lord and Saviour Jesus Christ. Well, it's very much the same yeah, with Shin Motor Spirit. <laughs> you know, they, yeah. they have to have it close to Arden Street for it to have its full power. Yeah, the sacred ground. Let's move on to uh, the Hawks v Collingwood. I don't want to spend another season talking about Nathan Buckley, do you? No. Um, and certainly being on a tele- on a radio show with the president of the Collingwood Football Club, he doesn't either. So we haven't talked about Nathan Buckley a lot this week, <laughs> it's fair to say. Topic really hasn't come up. It's I mean, come up the, everywhere give, else, but it has Give me a vibe of what Monday's like when you go into that studio with the president of Collingwood Football Club. Uh, well, here's the thing that I would say about Collingwood is, like, they're missing a bunch of their gun players. And they, more than probably mm. any other club in the competition, can't afford to be without their gun players. If you've got no Elliott and you've got no, no mm. Fasolo in that forward line, like, they were pretty good at getting the ball in the midfield on the weekend. But the minute they tried to kick it in the forward line, they just had no one to kick it to. Mason Cox had the worst game he's ever played. Uh, they don't have Fasolo. They don't have Elliott. Mm. And Darcy Moore... Uh, was playing a pretty good game down the back, but then they got desperate and they kind of had to send him forward. Yeah, I mean, it is one of those things. It could be an eternal question. It's like, has Buckley never really had the chance to show what he can do? Or is it Buckley can't coach? Like, it's hard to tell. Like, the players clearly like playing for him, but they they seem disorganized. Something is not clicking. I don't know what it is. I just don't think that they have enough good players. I don't think that you can have any right. read on how Buckley's coaching at all, other than that, like you said, the players like to... You know, to play for him, but I, mm. I just think that they just uh, don't have enough good players. Yeah, I mean, I feel bad for Mason Cox because he really got dumped on this weekend. Any American that can come to this country, pick up this game at the highest level, and play more than a couple of games, I'm like, you know what? If you retired now, that's extraordinary what you've managed to do. I would love if, in a post-match interview, Mason Cox made that same point. If he has a shocker and he's being interviewed after the game, he just goes, I'm an American. I didn't know what this game was. And I came here and I've just picked it up and I've played more than two games. What the fuck have you ever done? <laughs> what Have you heard his, his like voice, like his weird, strange Australian-American accent now? Like it's kind of weird because his first exposure, prolonged expo- exposure to Australians has been a footy club. So he has this American accent where he drops in these real kind of like bogan kind of phrases from time to time, talking about being with his mates and stuff. And it's just like, whoa, 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 whoa. Slow down. Man. Yeah. Like, he goes he, from his American accent. Uh, there's where there's he's a like, lot uh, going on right Hey, guys. Here. <laughs> yeah. He go, he's like, hey, guys, guys, um, I want to go and get some frothies. <laughs> yeah, that's it. Actually, you doing an American accent sounds like Mason Cox doing an Australian accent. Just do your best American accent. Uh, hi, I'm Mason Cox. <laughs> <laughs> That's actually pretty good. Okay, hats off. Those elocution lessons are going well. Uh, yeah, they were disappointing, but the Hawks are good. I mean, it's, it's annoying. I hate saying it, but getting Cyril back, they just look good. They're, I mean, I heard a lot of people saying they've got the best forward line in the AFL when it's up and running. I don't know. Do you think that? 
I think Sydney might have some claim on that. Yeah, absolutely. And look, you know, Adelaide's still a very, very strong forward line at its best. And, you know, look, you can make an argument for a few teams at the moment, which is exciting. But um, Port Adelaide have got a pretty fantastic forward line at the moment and could get mm. even get better. Melbourne, even though they didn't yeah, win in the end of the weekend, have you know, at their best, have got a pretty good forward line. There's, there's a lot of good ones going around. But um, uh, Hawthorne, they are just... I think, you know, you do that thing of just going, they have this amazing capacity to have a bunch of players who still have good years left in them. You know, like people like mm. your Cyrils and your Ruffy and whatever who still have some probably some really great, you know, seasons of football left in them. And then you see when Brewston, Gunston and those guys are up firing again, how you know, great they are as footballers. And then suddenly they've just yeah. managed to do this thing um, where they also have brought through a bunch of younger players without us noticing, who are now all turning into really decent sort of mid-range players. Plus, they've got like a Sicily and a Frawley and a few of these guys. And suddenly, and Sean, Sean Burgoyne's going to play until he's 90. <laughs> we did know this, though. Like, I felt like we could see this incubation happening. It, if you are the most outstanding team in a competition for a number of years, that is going to say competition for spots is high. And all those kids who are getting held out into their, you know, early to mid-20s are now getting a chance. You know, they had to hone their craft. They had to prove that they deserve to be there. Yeah. I mean, that's... Look, Hawthorne are going to be good. There's, there's probably no doubt about that. I don't think they're going to be top four good, but I think they're going to be... We're going to be... I mean, who knows? Collingwood might not be that good and maybe yeah. Hawthorne looked fantastic because of that. But I'd say Hawthorne are going to win a whole bunch of games and be around the finals. And uh, Tom Mitchell, hey? <laughs> like what the fuck is going on well i mean for all those people who when they got rid of Hod like you know sam mitchell and jordan lewis and hodgie and they brought in jaeger and they brought in uh tom mitchell have just got to be starting to go geez clarko's good at his job like I have, how many times must you just as a hawthorne fan just stop in your day and go how good's clarko at his job like they are yeah. just smart at knowing what it is that they want to do. And Amira was great. And Mitchell is, uh, there's been a lot of flack about the fact that, you know, he got his second plus 50 game against, only player in the history of the game to do it. And it was like against the same mm. club, against Collingwood. But I watched that game and I was like, I'm not actually really sure how you tag Tom Mitchell because he just gets the ball mm. in these places where you're like, even if there was a tagger there, I'm not sure it would have stopped him getting that ball or yeah. getting it on. Yeah. Did you see uh, Sicily and Trelaw have a little chat? Oh, mate, they are two guys I would not like to have a beer with. Oh, <laughs> like it was, it was like two Steve Sanders <laughs> having a chat to each other. Don't you think? It was absolutely like, it was like the, the Steve Sanders from one school going head to head with the yeah. Steve Sanders from another school. <laughs> yeah. Uh, there's another thing that stood out in that game that came from the commentary box. Oh, yeah. And uh, at one point, I think it was Bruce, someone kicked a banana, and Jared referred to it as a boomerang. Jared was talking us through how to execute the perfect boomerang. When did that come into the football? It's always been a banana. Banana or a check side. I've never heard anyone use the word boomerang kick. Well, it's incorrect to call it a boomerang because the boomerang would imply that it flew through the goals and then came back into the hands of the player who kicked it. Now, if some player yeah. managed to do that, like if a Motlop <laughs> or a Rioli or somebody like that, like boomeranged a ball through the goals and back into their hands, 
12 points. <laughs> <laughs> I remember there was a kid I played junior footy with, Tim Baker, who played in the midfield, and he got a ball out of a center, a center square tap out, booted it in the air, ran forward 30 metres, marked his own ball and kept going and kicked a goal. Well, I love that. Like, I know that's like you don't get paid a mark if you kick it to yourself, but I reckon there should be... Oh, is that well, true? Yeah, but I reckon over a certain distance, right. it should count as a mark. That would be a rule I would yeah. love to say in the AFL. If you have managed to kick it over, say, 30 metres and still manage to get it yourself, like, it'd be great, you know, when you see those... 12 points. See those players... <laughs> Yeah, he's kind of streaming into the forward line instead of just having to randomly yeah. bomb it towards goal. If they could kick it like, mm. oh, you know what? <laughs> at each idea. stadium, they have like a sort of rope at a certain height. And as long as you kick it yeah. over that rope, you have to over get it that. that high, you yeah. can mark it yourself. No, I love it. Like, because what you're doing is essentially giving yourself a hospital pass because you're booting it high so you can run and get under it. So you're really rolling the dice because if you've got like a full back charging out to make the contest, like you could be ironing yourself out. So it should be, if you mark it, it should be, you get a 50 meter penalty. Yeah, okay. I'm happy with that. Not a penalty. You get a 50 meter. Yeah. You get a 50, you get advantage. moved forward 50 meters. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah 50 meter advantage. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. 12 points and a 50-meter advantage rule. They should let us come up with the rules for the IFLX next year. We should just add a whole yeah, bunch definitely. of like really unlikely scenarios. Like, so the idea that if you boomerang it through the goals, but then it comes back to you and your market, let's call it 30 points. Like, and we just put heaps of those in. Because it'd be great if, um, you if there's like two minutes to go and your team's 30 points down and in the rules, you go, well, you know what? We could go for the... The boomerang play. We've been practicing yeah. it at training. <laughs> well, this is a world in which uh, physics makes that possible, Will. <laughs> I don't know if it's actually possible. But this is what I love, is like the idea that there's improbable plays that have values based, yeah. points values based on their improbability. So, you know, there's been some yeah. talk that, you know, say they might bring back, to get the torque back into the game, they could have like a 60 or 70 metre line or if you kicked a torp from outside 50 it would be worth nine points or you know something like that yeah. this is to encourage those sort of things so for example you know the idea that like if you can kick it to yourself and then kick the goal or whatever it's worth you know more points it'd be great if they went to the end and there's like eight possible scenarios yeah and they've got their plan of going well this is a 16 pointer this is a 32 pointer oh there's actually a 90 pointer here that we can go for yeah no i think that's I, i'm all for that Moving targets, fireworks. Like you said, let's AFLX it up. Yeah, again. exactly. You have the goalposts on like some sort of like, you know, just a mechanical device around the ground. And so for the last minute, you can go into like, like turning it on and rotating it. And so the goals just are anywhere on the field that the goals happen to appear at that time. Uh, a little diversion, <clears throat> but uh, I just wanted to bring back a segment from this oh. show that we had uh, last year's Whispers from the West. Whispers from the I uh, probably should have talked about this when we're talking about Frio Port. We didn't really talk about Frio that much. So this, this, will, this will be our Frio okay. content uh, uh, for the portion of the episode. Um, I won't name this person. Send us a message on Facebook because it's a whisper from the West and we like to protect our sources. Whispers from the Western Hemisphere. I can 100% confirm the Nat 5 to the Saints rumours. Oh, hang on. <laughs> this is from last year. Sorry. Did we read this last year? Because it's a great story. 
I think we probably did if there was a whisper from the West last year, unless it came in post-grand final. When did it come in? But this... No, April last year. <laughs> Sorry. I just, you know how our messages on our Facebook page sometimes like highlight something at the top? I thought assumed it's a new message, but it's clearly... Oh no, he sent us a new message. All right. No, forget it. Forget it. I don't want to discuss talking about it. Just to give you a rough summary, Nat Fife is definitely going to the Saints. If that doesn't happen, he was going to the New Orleans Saints to become a punter slash wide receiver in gridiron. Oh. If that didn't work out, have we talked no. about that? All right. Let's, let's, let's read it. If we have talked about this before, forgive us, but I think it's worth going back to. Whispers from the Western Hemisphere. I can 100% confirm that Nat Fife is going to the Saints. Oh, the rumors of Nat Fife going to the Saints. I heard, um, I know we have talked about this before. <laughs> Let's abandon this. I just realized I had, a, I suddenly had an acid flashback where it's like, uh, yeah, Mike, I'll leave all this in just to teach Seamus into being better at our jobs. Well, that was a great diversion, Charlie. I'm glad we went I'm back so for that. Sorry. And that's our Fremantle content for this week. <laughs> We are the worst show. I mean, possibly the worst show of anything ever. Like, (laughs) not even just the worst footy show, but this may well be the worst show of anything that has ever been made. I mean, what would the metrics be? Like, we just get everything wrong. (laughs) Our breaking news stories are from over a year ago. And we don't know if we've gone with them before. This is honestly uh, the worst uh, entertainment anyone would ever download. <laughs> like, what, what audience is there for this? We like football, but we would like to listen to something that ruins football for us. <laughs> let's uh, talk about the Swannies. Yeah, eh? let's do that. Um, now, we do have a genuine whisper from the West. It's not as, <laughs> not as exciting <laughs> as the last one, but this one came in uh, last week, okay. so... Jordan Bell. I don't think he'll mind because it's not—it's not implicating him. Whispers from the West. There is no kick to kick at the new Optus Stadium this whole season. No way for the fans to get on the ground. Well, not no way for the fans to get on the ground. You could take it into your own hands. (laughs) You could, you know, run out on the ground. The guy who streaked at the first... Remember, there was a guy who streaked at the very first game that they had at uh, the new stadium, and he crowdfunded afterwards uh, some money to pay for his streaking. So Legal costs. I think there's an opportunity. Western Australia has said quite clearly that they are behind Dick Hedery. And if people want to commit some public dickheadery, the state of Western Australia will spend some of that spare mining cash on supporting your dickheadery. So it's crowdfunded dickheadery over there at the moment. Now, I didn't realise this was such a scandal. I, To be honest, I have not been aware of the kick-to-kick after the game status of stadiums for a while. Like, I, If I had to name what clubs do it or what... I don't often see it happen at Etihad. I've seen it at, at the SCG a few times, but... Is it, a, is it a thing that fluctuates or is it like a mandated thing? Uh, it, I feel like maybe the AFL brought it back. They did. They? Yeah. Is so it, it's, a, yeah, it's right. a fan service thing and the AFL have brought it back. Um, but I think, yeah. I think if they're going to have it at one game, they have to have it at all games. And I mean that like even like it should be compulsory for a certain amount of people after the Gold Coast match up at Cairns to go out and have kick to kick in that water. Yeah. 
Yeah, I think that that would be great. That's when you let the dogs, the Labrador that chased the ball after the goal comes on the game afterwards. I used to love having kick to kick on the ground after the game, but it was a guaranteed way to cop a football in the head. I think that's what people love about it. Like, you know, yes. it teaches kids the idea that once you're amongst adults, like I think when you're a kid, you have the kind of delusion to a certain extent that, you know, adults have your best interests at heart. You know, like, you know, most of the time as a child, you're protected by adults, you're guided by adults, you're kept safe by adults. But then your family let you out into the middle of the MCG when adults have forgotten about children because they're playing kick to kick with each other and they're quite happy to boot a football into the back of your head. Yeah. Yeah, I think if if more kids can get stubbed fingers after a game, that's a win-win for the AFL. Um, I'm a big fan of the the rush to the centre. I would like them to bring back the, no. the race to the centre. There's always someone, because people forget when they do that rush to the centre, especially if it's if it's a, a, a ground that doesn't have a roof, that it's fucking slippery. So you see dudes running out there in vans and shit, <laughs> slipping and sliding. Yeah, that's what I love about square. it. I, that's one of my favourite oh, right. bits. Do you remember when they brought security guards into the AFL? <clears throat> it was probably like the early 90s when they started putting like heavy dudes around the boundary line. And I remember there was a few games, it was such a new concept to footy fans that when the first few players like jump, the first few guards tried to you know break the rules and jump the fence, like these dudes would stomp the shit out of these guys. Do you remember that period? I, I, I don't really. I mean... Well, I guess because you're in Hayfield, but I was going to VFL Park most days and they used to have black bomber jackets. They were really intimidating. I think they just rounded out like bouncers from King Street to do security at the footy on the weekend. And there was no kind of clear instruction to the security guards that, hey, look, look, some dickheads are going to jump the fence and try and run to the centre. We're trying to control that. But it's still a family game. There's still like mums and dads here. So, so like, what I'm hearing is them. you'd like me to beat the shit out of them. Is that what you're saying? <laughs> yeah. Because you'd literally see like four guys grab a 15-year-old, jump on his skull and drag him by his ankles and throw him back over the fence. Like it was full on. I remember being at a game with like my, my brother and his girlfriend and his girlfriend's mum and the, and the mum like getting quite choked up like and screaming out, leave him alone. Like he's already dead. <laughs> hey, just before we get to the, uh, the last couple of games, do you want to get another letter? Yeah, the, uh, yeah absolutely. It's from an American listener. Right. Greetings from Tennessee. 2015. It's great to hear. <laughs> this is from yesterday, smartass. Greetings from Tennessee. It was great to hear you guys talking footy again. Cable gives me one footy match a week. And this week, it was Collingwood versus Hawthorne. I was excited because I think Steel Sidebottom is one of the great all-time sports names. It is. Firstly, Agreed. I think we've identified the target market for this podcast. People who live in a foreign country so don't really understand the game only get to watch one game a week and think that Steel Sidebottom is the height of comedy. You are our core demographic. Maybe it stopped being funny down under. Here's three things I noticed from the game. By, First, by the way, sir, Hawthorne? it has not stopped being funny yeah. down under. Steel Sidebottom no. is, was, and will forever be a hilarious name. Three things I noticed from the game. First of all, Hawthorne looked like they had more players on the field most of the time. I think it was just Tom Mitchell made it feel like there was more yeah. players because he was fucking everywhere. Yeah, he, he moves like the Flash. In fact, he was recruited when Bruce Wayne threw a Batman uh, thing at his head and he moved so quickly and grabbed it out of the air. 
Second, as an American, I'm offended by the fact that Mason Cox can't catch the yeah. ball. Mark the ball. Well, we say, we say mark in yeah. Australia. Um, look, we talked about Mason Cox before. I think he, he, is, he's, he can have a game where he doesn't catch the ball 11 times. That's fine. <laughs> he didn't grow up with a sport. It's understandable. Yeah. I, I was born in America, <laughs> mate. <laughs> with my mates are here. With my digger cobbers. Yeah. You said digger, right? Yeah. <laughs> yes, digger. <laughs> and, th- and third, uh, and this relates to a favourite topic of Two Guys, One Cup, I need a ruling on Darcy Moore's yeah. hair. Awful or the most awful ever? Mm. Uh, it's not great. I haven't noticed Darcy Moore's hair. What does it look like? Mike Howell, can you see if you can pull up a recent photo of Darcy Moore's He's hair? He's come back this season with a new haircut. And a new hair colour, I would suggest, Charlie. Oh. I feel like there's a bit... Is it a bit, is it a bit strawny? Uh, yeah, it is a little strawny. That is, that is, I believe that is the L'Oreal colour that he actually got, was L'Oreal strawny. Maybe it's strawny. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe he's born with it. Maybe it's strawny. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Sydney and West Coast. Now... I'm going to make... Oh, yeah, that's terrible. <laughs> Mike Hell's just popped up a photo. I mean, he looks like a cactus plant. Like, I understand he's probably moving when they took that photo. He's got the fucking rubber headband he on. He does. That I'm talking well, about. Was, Where do you get those headbands from? I was going to bring it up before when we were talking about headbands, but I assumed that we were saving it for this conversation. But, um, yeah, no, he's definitely got one. Is it club colours or is it just a white headband? I think it's white with a shadow. Because mm, I'm wondering, like, is there a chance that they're wearing ones? No, because they're not club colours, are they? Although, isn't, doesn't the St Kilda guy have a... Or Melbourne. Who's no, the dude no, from Melbourne? Just... Hunt or whatever his name is. Doesn't he have... Oh, Hunt, yeah, Doesn't yeah, yeah. he have a Melbourne kind you're of right. headband? This could be the sock gate of 2018. I feel like we need a new minor issue to rally around and headbands. We need to get the bottom. Who makes the headbands? How they distribute? How how do you get them? Does a club supply them? Does a player have to buy his own? And if so, are they all buying them from the same person? What's going on, Will? I would like to know, you know, have they done some tests down at the club? Because everything else they would test, I imagine. You know, the comfortability of your your, your uniform, the aerodynamics, all these sort of things. Are they doing... You know, sort of specific, you know, tests on, is there a wind tunnel test? Like where you put on your headband yeah. and they whack you in the wind tunnel and you see which one, you know, blows off in combat or? I'm going to go out on a limb and say my earliest memory of this headband is 1994 or 1995. There was a half forward flanker played for Fitzroy, came to St Kilda called David Struper. Mm-hmm. He had very similar hair to all these dudes, that kind of long semi-surfy kind of hair. And he had like a flesh-coloured little rubber headband. That was the first time I ever remember seeing it and hadn't really reappeared. And then I think the Bontempelli era has really brought it back. Do you think that's... Top, the, the top knot yeah, era. Yeah, Strooper was his name? Yeah, David, David Strooper. David Is there any... David Strooper, for me, epitomises... When you say half-forward flanker, he was the prototypical, stereotypical half-forward flanker. Flashy, would take a hot, big mark... Kick two or three goals every third game. Did the flashy things really well, but was a real receiver. Well, is there a chance that, say, um, you know how Buddy Franklin has Nina and Pasadena or whatever it is, he has his fashion label, right? Is there a chance that uh, Strooper, when he left the game, has started some sort of headband business? You know, a lot of the time these small businesses start because 
the person you know needed a solution for their problem and they came up with their own and then suddenly it may, maybe he went on some early version of Shark Tank David Struper yeah. with his like headband yeah. model for AFL players with long hair. Uh, he originally called it yeah. the Struper Duper, but they had some copyright issues with the Zuper Duper people. Yeah. But <laughs> that's really annoying. He always refers to himself in the third person as, as Struper Man. Yeah. <laughs> he keeps them all on something he calls a Struper Pole. <laughs> <laughs> the Swannies, Swannies over at West Coast. Now I've got to say, did um, you watch this game? Yes. And I gotta say, I feel like I have to reevaluate my opinion of West Coast. With Nick Nat back in the side, there are much no no JJK and Nick Nat back. I thought they were really good and exciting to watch. It was such an entertaining game. And I feel like I feel like last year I was really harsh on West Coast just because I knew annoyed people. And I don't wanna keep banging that drum. Like I'll find another team to pick on this year. I'm, I'm looking around. I think it's gonna be Adelaide. <laughs> but but I actually really, like West Coast, you're back in my good books. I don't know what you're going to do this year. Uh, I don't really mind. If you make the finals, great. I think maybe I picked you. For, no, I didn't pick you for the finals. You're one of the 12 teams that didn't make our finals. Well, you know what the thing is, though? I am actually going to, like, I, I, I was like, for some reason, I think West Coast are going to be worse. I don't think they are. I thought they were really good. And I'm a bit like you, mm-hmm. Charlie. They're actually quite fun to watch, West Coast. And yeah. they don't really have... I mean... Nick Nat makes such a difference, so- doesn't he? It's like... I wouldn't yeah. go and see NSYNC without Justin Timberlake, but once Justin Timberlake's exactly. back, you kind of like the others a bit more as well. And yes, totally. He was like, he, he wasn't even playing the whole game. Like he was just playing in five minute bursts, but he was just so dynamic. Oh, and Charlie, something you said earlier mm. on the podcast says now that he's back playing uh, Nick Nadanui, uh, and we have a record four patties in the competition if he hits one of those four patties we can literally have the headline nick knack patty whack nick knack patty whack <laughs> oh mate i said we had to stop the show with uh weird afl yankovic but we may have to stop it now i'm gonna sell i'm gonna two sell that two. one to weird afl yankovic <laughs> Uh, yeah, no, it was great. But you know what it is? Is West Coast now with Nick Nat back and when they get JJK back and they've still got the little Frenchman. Yeah, Frenchman was it's good. Kind of en- they've got enough interesting personalities. You know what it is? I think it's since they got rid of that robot Matthew Prittis. Yeah. Like, I like him more. Like, I think Prittis was holding him back a bit. Matthew Prittis with his fucking made-up backstory about being a surfer. I feel like West Coast have got back to what West Coast are. You want them to be your flashy... Western Australian cousin. You're kind of strapping surfboard under the arm. You know, loves a beer or two. Simple guy, but really likable West Coast. You don't like West Coast, the corporate entity, or West Coast, the fucking Collingwood of Western Australia. You want surfy West Coast. You want good time, you know, throw your boards in a panel van, drive down to Margaret River, West Coast. And that's what I felt like we got. Yeah, I agree with you. There was something about West Coast I really loved. And what a beautiful stadium and surface. And then... To watch Buddy Franklin, like you've got to get what the fucking game. I mean, like he'll make he'll make that ten years on his contract. I reckon he's at the point now that regardless of what he does from here, Sydney have that deal was worth it. Regardless, you yeah. know, like for the value yeah. he's given them in a marketing perspective, but also just the value we've seen from him on the field. I didn't think that he would get better in the way that he has in aspects of his game. Like, I mean, he was always an amazing player, but there is things that he does on a football field now that are even better than the things he was doing at what was supposedly his peak. Yeah. Like it's, I mean, 
You'd almost argue that he's a better player at Sydney than he was at all. I think he is. Really. Yeah. No, they're amazing to watch. And yeah, obviously there's a Luke Parker goal. But there's something about that fucking... It's weird. The Bloods have... It feels like they've morphed over the last 15 years from being kind of almost like a battler type club or a, you know, an honest kind of no dickheads policy, almost like North Melbourne of New South Wales kind of club, shin bone of spirit, blood spirit, all that kind of stuff. And now they are this slick, irresistible, not dissimilar to Hawthorne, really. Like you kind of can't help but admire them. Like Gary Busey says about the Predator and Predator 2. I admire him for what he does, not for what he is. Yeah, I mean, there's something about them. The other Josh Kennedy, who's just, you know, they're dependable, mm. Sydney, you know? In a, yeah, in- but they're better than that. They're kind of, they're sort of like, every, they're all excellent players. Like, Haney is an amazing player. Like, they're all just really good. Um, um, you know, fucking midfielder, Hanabry. Like, all amazing. Oh, Rampy. Like, I mean... All over the field, they've got amazing players. But I, I, what I mean by dependable is, like, if you were somebody mm. who was an investor, they're just a blue chip stock. Like, as long as you can hang yeah. on to them for long enough, you'll never do your money on Sydney. Yeah. You know, like last year, they lose the first eight rounds of the season. You know, there's some idiots who don't understand the market who would, like, jump off and sell mm. everything. Nah, you just put your Sydney shares in there and you just keep them and you yeah. retire on them later. Yeah. I think that's another, that was the other win-win game of the round, I thought. There's three of them. There was Tigers-Blues, Saints-Brisbane, and this game. I thought maybe a lot of people, maybe just me, wrote off West Coast. And I was like, oh, you know what? There's a lot to like, and my expectations aren't that high. And I think you're going to get some really good games. When JJK comes back, and you got Nick Nat and the little Frenchman running around, and their captain, what's his name? Shannon Hearn. <laughs> he kicked a goal, I believe. Yeah, Jaron Hearn and Shannon Geary. <laughs> yeah. Now, save the best for last. No, that's it. I think Melbourne we're done. Melbourne v the Cats. That was the, that was no, no. No, Melbourne versus the Cats with the, the fucking, the, the, the biggest game of the round. Did you watch oh, this? Oh, yeah, I did watch this. Sorry, I didn't realize we hadn't talked about that because it was like Sydney West Coast was the last yeah, game no, on the Sunday. I, I put them last because I, I, felt, I felt we could really have a long run up to this one because there's a lot to talk about. Yes. So uh, first, let's start with that video that's been going around today. If you, you must have seen it. I saw Das posted something The online. Melbourne fan? Yeah. I mean, it's one of those things where... I Look, I, I haven't predicted... I've po- just, just for, just for yes. our listeners, I have posted it on the Two Guys One Cup Facebook page. So maybe pause the podcast, check it out, and then and come, listen to us again because I, I watched it this afternoon and I have not laughed that hard. Like, I watched it three times in a row. Two things I'll say about it. One, like... It's hilarious. Like it, to, to see like this guy's anguish and I just, cause you identify, I've been there before where you jump off the couch, you can't look at the TV. He bends over, he gets his hands on his knees. Like he's doing that nervous thing where he's rubbing his hands on his thighs where he's sort of like half bent over watching the vault. And then when, when Gorn misses, he just throws his scarf to the ground. The second thing is the filmmaking. It is beautifully shot. Like, the way the guy, the discipline in the guy filming him stays with the dude. Like if this, if you're a filmmaker, you're like, okay, you've got to maintain this protagonist's point of view to be like an engaging story. You follow the guy. All you've got is the sound of the game going in the background. Follow him right outside. 
You watch him see Gorn miss, throw a scarf to the ground. The cameraman just like goes in on the scarf, like crumpled on the ground. Like it's the most poignant, beautiful, well shot piece of filmmaking. And then just pans up to see the guy marching off down the street. It is beautiful. I think there's so much great stuff. It's the passion of football. It's the hilarity of the demons doing what the demons do. It's everything. And what I love most about it was it was clearly shot at the Beach Road Hotel in Bondi. I recognized that pub. So it would have been filled with a bunch of people who didn't really give a shit or even know what was going on. I just love that this dude has made such a fucking scene in front of a bunch of people who really didn't give a shit. The only thing I really loved about this weekend from the point of view of making me happy, you know, with where the Bulldogs are at is that at least I think, look, either this first round was an aberration and we'll come back, you know, stronger and harder and make a run for it. Or it might be one of those seasons where, you know, I, I can get used to pretty early in the season that we're not going to be one of the better teams in the competition, right? Whereas Melbourne, my big hope for this season is Melbourne and the new Richmond. I feel like the competition always yeah. needs a Richmond. And I feel like the logical contender to that title is Melbourne. They already have enough established form on it. And moments like this, like, I mean, that could have been last year. Or, yeah, that, if that had been a Richmond fan doing the exact same thing last year. And I think that's why it's shot so well, Charlie, because it's predictable. The minute that there was a yeah. minute to go and one of their best players who's lost eight kilos and stopped smoking over the offseason, who's played a monster of a game, gets the ball 25 metres out. I think if you are the friend of a Melbourne fan... You get out your camera equipment and you start filming because you know something is about to go down. I mean, hashtag disappointing, right? That's got to be the new Richmondy, disappointing. I mean, it is one of those things where it's not disappointing to me. It fills me with some sort of schadenfreude joy that I don't know why. I don't even have any particular animosity towards Melbourne, but it just feels like Melbourne feel like there was some real pain behind Richmond, right? Whereas Melbourne, yeah. they feel like the, the comic foil who've been introduced to the plot purely to be the comic foil. You know? You- yeah, no, what they, 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 in the romantic comedy, the guy's in love with the girl and Melbourne is the girl's douchey boyfriend. Right. Yeah, exactly. Like, you don't, he's got to be charming enough that you understand why she's with him in the first place. And he's got to have yeah. moments within there where he could do the right thing. Melbourne's Kylo Ren. Yeah. You know, Melbourne is like, you know, there's a couple of moments in the Star Wars film where you're like, oh, Kylo might come back to the good side and then doesn't. I think Melbourne's a bit like that. Yeah. I mean, I think you're right. You sort of were saying that, I think it was the end of last year, maybe it was last week, you said that Melbourne are really setting themselves up to be that. We thought it was going to be GWS, but maybe it's Melbourne because Melbourne are actually exhibiting more of that attitude. They've got players like Clayton Oliver and Tom Bug who just like talk a big game and stuff. There's not a, a lot that's inherently lovable about Melbourne, not in the same way that you're finding, say, you know, like ironically, Jack Watts at Port Melbourne is lovable. Like seeing the way he's playing his footy and just loving being out there or, or Carlton, as much as I, I hate to say it, there's something lovable about that way that team's playing. There's something about Melbourne where you're like, oh, it's a bit douchey. It's a bit douchey and you can't help but enjoy well, the other thing is that their two most lovable players, both Jacks, good for St Kilda's recruiting program, Jack Viney, yeah. <laughs> their captain, and uh, uh, Jack Watts. So Jack Watts is gone, and Jack Viney's out for the first two or three months. So even what lovability mm. they did have, it's like, you know, uh, you don't like the Marvel you know, movie. You don't like the Avengers, but you like the Hulk or something. Like you have a favorite character, mm. but he's not in this movie. 
Yeah. And even the way the game sort of played out, because it was like neck and neck in that first quarter. And then Geelong sort of got the stranglehold on. And I've got to admit, I was a bit skeptical about the, the, the Fab Three or whatever we're calling them, the, the, the triple the threat. The Holy Trinity. Holy Trinity. And even without Paddy, like, I mean, just a lazy fucking 78 possessions between them. Like, it was crazy. If you just want space and time, hand the ball to one of those two guys and they will never make a wrong decision. Like, at the amount of times you see Gary Ablett just, like, lending support in the back line or up forward, where if you don't have options, you just pass the ball back to Gary and he just waits, identifies the absolute perfect option and delivers it flawlessly. Every fucking time. The thing about Geelong is that I forgot... I mean, I don't think I forgot how much I love Gary Ablett because I've always been a, a Gary Ablett, the footballer fan. Like, I've always... At yeah. his peak, I did believe he was the best footballer that I'd probably seen. You're all, you're all about Ablett. And uh, he... I didn't realise the joy it was going to bring me to see him back at Geelong. I've got to be honest with you. Like, I thought that perhaps yeah. he would be a good player, but he, he's come back... He could be a great player again. And he seems enthused. And I don't think... If Geelong are on the TV and Ablett, Dangerfield and Selwood are playing together, you'll just watch that game. If now... Cam Guthrie got 29, got his old number, didn't he? Yeah. I think that's right. I think right. so. So if you come back to Geelong and you're Gaz and it's a player of a less standing than Cam Guthrie, like it's a dude who's maybe played, I don't know, 20 games, can Gaz get his number back? I mean, I think Gaz could have got his number back Regardless, did Jordan get did did Jordan get twenty three back when he came back? He came back and played in a different number. Maybe he played at twenty three at the Bulls, but he played at oh yeah forty five. There you go, and then went back. Yeah, that's what that's what I thought. Yeah, yeah. So, so Gaz could go back to twenty nine. Yeah, but like I would, I reckon Gaz could have demanded whatever he wanted to demand. I like that he's come. This is the different Gary Ablett. This this Humble is the Gaz. Gary who's happy to wear any number on his back as long as he can get thirty seven possessions. It's fucking crazy. I mean, when they get. Uh, Paddy, Paddy, Paddy Whack back this week. And it's going to be such a great game. Fucking Hawthorne, Geelong, those three, Hawthorne's on, on song. Like, it's exciting. It's mouth-watering. But I was thinking about, you know, because I'm always thinking from a fucking Saints perspective, it's like, what are we going to do when we play Geelong? I mean, we can, we can cover one of those guys, maybe. How the fuck are you going to cover all three? I mean, I don't think you can. I no. think you just got to, and just, all four, because let's be honest, like we're given, you know, Ringo Guthrie a little bit of Guthrie a hard time, and, but he's one of the, f- and Kelly. Yeah. Fucking debutante, fucking 27 possessions. Oh, and not just that, but just a range of their other players who, I think Geelong has that sort of range of players where they look a little bit ordinary once you take out, and it's a bit like St Kilda probably, like in that same way as like, St Kilda getting a gun midfielder would also probably help a whole range of other players who are having to play in a position one higher than what they should be yeah, playing. Yeah, they are. And, yeah, and yeah. you know, that's what Hawthorne looked like again on the weekend. Once they get that midfield going, some of those other sort of peripheral players who, when they're the icing on the cake, they are great icing on the cake. They are cream cheese icing, you know, on the cake. But it is... <laughs> I want some yeah, cake. Basically what I'm saying <laughs> I think is, can I have some that's cake? That's what I'm getting from you? Please. <laughs> Been a long podcast. We'll keep bringing Where's it my back cake? To cake? Yeah. <laughs> uh, there was a moment in the game which made me laugh so much. I don't know if you saw it, um, but Jordan Lewis got a fifty paid against him uh, uh, for abuse, 
And I can't fucking believe they did this because I'm watching it and they're like, oh, that's a 50 against Lewis. Let's, let's have uh, a let's listen, listen into to what Jordan Lewis has to say. Yeah, did you see, to see this bit? And I wrote it down because it made me laugh so much. So he's getting taken back to the goal square by the umpire and he's arguing. And they go, let's uh, listen to what uh, Jordan has to say. And Jordan looks at the umpire and he goes, oh, mate, take a fucking spray. <laughs> Take a fucking spray. Isn't that abuse again? Isn't that like another 50? Like, if he gets away with that, what the fuck did he say in the first place that got the 50 against him? What I love was that he got in trouble for abusing the umpire and then abused the umpire that the umpire couldn't handle the abuse. (laughs) (laughs) It was amazing. It was amazing. It was so funny. But I mean, what were Channel 7 thinking? Like, he literally got a penalty against him for abusive language. Let's tune in to hear what he has to say. Chances are he's going to use some more abuse. Yes, here's a chance that Jordan Lewis hasn't gone, no, you were right, umpire. And on uh, (laughs) recollection in this moment, I now... But my favourite thing was, and you probably didn't write this down, but I would love to have a transcript of what the Channel 7 commentators said immediately afterwards because it was one of those great... Oh, There was a, I remember there was a, oh. There was a real, if the Curb Your Enthusiasm music had come in over the top, that would have been entirely appropriate. Yeah, it was, it was so funny. Like, you just knew it was coming. Like, I grabbed yeah. my pen and my pad because I'm like, oh, they're going to go? We're going to actually hear what he has to say? This is going to be Let's fantastic. have a listen into what he that actually, guy who's just been accused of abusing an umpire is actually saying down there on the ground. And then basically the commentary was something along the lines of, Ah, huh. well, yep, no, Jordan's, uh, whew, I guess we probably shouldn't, uh, hey, uh, so. <laughs> it was so great. Take a fucking spray. I love it. Um, Jordan Lewis's hair. Uh, <laughs> let's talk about that. So I seem to recall, like, he has a bald yep. spot, right? He's doing a good job of hiding that. Like, he's actually grown it a bit. It's a bit longer now. It's a bit shaggier and stuff. I don't know if he's doing, like, the comb over and stuff, but for a second I was watching him going. See, he had a bit of a Brent Guerra action. I don't think he has, but whatever he's doing, it looks good. Uh, I think that, yeah, it's hard to tell. You shouldn't speculate on these sort of things, but it did feel like there was at least some sort of, like, even if it was just, like, remember that old product that was spray-on hair? You know, yeah. you got the impression that even just before the game, they might just spray on a little bit of cover-up for yeah. his confidence. Maybe they identified yeah, think, in the off-season, you know, when they were doing player profiles and, you know, they were trying to replicate that sort of Richmond model where people, you know, reveal things yeah. about themselves that make them insecure and it bonds you with the others. Maybe Jordan got up there and said, look, you know, I just don't think I'm diving into packs as much because I'm worried that the cameras are catching my board spot. <laughs> The other thing about that game, you see Harry Taylor on the bench with his uh, broken foot or whatever, and they put a rubber glove on his foot for some reason. <laughs> yeah, I did say that. It was, and it was a great comment from BT where he was asking, when, I think he's asking Jared, he's like, is there any reason why they'd be putting a, a rubber glove on? And Jared's like, oh, you know, none that I can really think of. And BT's gone, well, the scary part would be if it actually fit. <laughs> Like Harry Taylor has feet like the beast from the X-Men. <laughs> All right. So uh, should we do our predictions for next yeah, week? Yeah, let's do it. And then, um, and then and we'll wind up. I think we've talked about everything we wanted to talk yeah, about. Yeah, absolutely. There were certainly no other games on the weekend. 
Okay, so first game up is the Crows versus Richmond at Adelaide Oval. Hmm, this would be a good game. If Tex Walker comes back, this would be a really interesting game. Yeah, look, I think that um, Adelaide Oval, obviously that's, you know, pretty special to them. Adelaide, you know, I feel like they're going to take a little while to get going this season. It feels like, you know, injury-wise and just kind of getting everything together-wise, late start to the season. But at home, you know, grand final rematch, you know, hard to call this one. I'm going to say, I'm going to say, oh, geez. What do you reckon? Who are you picking? Well, it's hard, it's, it's hard to tip Richmond this year because last year I would always tip the most Richmondy result I could imagine. And that, was, that worked in both directions because you're like, no, no, the, you know, the car crash isn't going to happen yet. We need a bit more build-up. But now I don't know. Like, we're in uncharted territory. So I feel like Richmond might win this. You know what? I, I, don't, I th- don't think I'm having a shaky start to the season with my tips. I have no confidence one way or the other. But I'm just going to say Adelaide at home – Grand final rematch, lot to prove. They're going to win this one. Um, and then there'll be a lot of headlines about how it makes up for last year's grand final. And yeah, and yeah. it won't in any way. On Friday night, the Good Friday game, North Melbourne take on the Saints. Eh, God, I tell you what, like we've campaigned hard to get this Good Friday spot. If we can't get over 40,000 to this game, then fuck, come on. And, and it's two traditionally low-drawing clubs as well. I implore you, St Kilda fans, if I was there, I'd be there. Can you please go to this game? Shinboner fans, can you please go to this game? Our clubs need this fixture. You have to show up. It'll be a good contest, I swear. I don't know. Uh, I mean, Saints crucified on Good Friday is a great headline, but um, yeah. I would suggest that St Kilda are going to win this. I would have thought St Kilda win this game. I hope a bunch of people go, but I'm pretty glad that it's North Melbourne versus St Kilda because I've also got a show on Friday night and uh, there are tickets still available. So I'm glad that there's not going to be anything drawing against it. <laughs> so on Saturday, the Blues take on Gold Coast at Etihad Stadium. <sighs> Ooh, Stuart Dews. Look, here's the thing. Unlike your theory about Stuart Dews' approach, bringing a bit of suburban footy, trying to give him 115 years of footy culture in an accelerated period. I don't know that Eddie Head Stadium does that. I think if they'll maybe playing in the wind or something like that, somewhere where people could be eating like, you know, sausage rolls in uh, sausages and bread. But Eddie Head's a corporate stadium. I think, I think it doesn't play into Stuart Dew's plans this year. So I'm going to pick. Oh yeah. I would have thought that Stuart Dew, if he really wants to win this one, has the lobby to get it uh, moved to Icon. Played at night, yeah. so they can't quite see, you know, with those lights that aren't quite good yeah. enough at Icon Park. Um, yeah. Or yeah. could there be a possibility that Stuart Jew could ask for Carlton to just for this game to have two high-priced recruits that they couldn't possibly afford under the salary cap who also play in this game? <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm going to say Carlton. Gold Coast look all right, but I'm going to say Carlton. How could you tell after last week? Uh, at the MCG, the Pies take on GWS. Uh, um, well, this is a it's got to be GWS. Pretty tough. Well, backs against I the mean, wall, I guess. Backs never tip against Collingwood when their backs against backs the wall. Backs couldn't be further against the wall in this situation. I mean, they've had a terrible start to the but season. So- their players down, and they're coming up against a team who just like you know absolutely pants one of the other teams that you know people might have thought might have been good. I would say. Classic backs to the wall, but I think it's too early for backs to the wall. So I'm going to say GWS win this by 300 points. And that is my lock of the week. 
I, <laughs> I would say, I agree. <clears throat> I think, though, that Collingwood's backs aren't enough against the wall. If this game was in, at Manuka or up in Blacktown, I would tip yep. Collingwood because that would be the most backs against the wall it could be. As it turns out, it's at the MCG. <clears throat> it's their home ground. Non, backs home. Also, GWS on an open field. Like what they did to you on those wide expanses of Canberra. No idea what you're talking was about. terrifying. Games in Canberra don't count. We know the rules. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm going to pick GWS by 400 yeah. points. <laughs> <laughs> Brisbane Lions take on Melbourne at the Gabba. Now, wowee, boy, oh boy. Could you see... Could you see something happening here? I mean, I do. I feel like this is a danger I'd game. love it. I'd love it, Charlie. It would bring me nothing but joy if Melbourne go up to Brisbane <laughs> and there's a plucky performance by the Brisbane Lions and they beat Melbourne. In fact, I would love it so much that I'm going to say that it's going to happen. Brisbane Lions are going to beat Melbourne and then suddenly Melbourne gets all wobbly in the way that I like it. If you hadn't tipped... Brisbane, I would have tipped him. So I feel like I have to tip against you just to, for the sake of balance. Now, nah, fuck it. I'm tipping Brisbane. And that's my luck of the yeah, week. All in. <laughs> We're going all in. Melbourne, you can't let us down. You have to be our Richmond this year. Disappointing. Okay. So next up, we've got the Bulldogs taking on the Eagles at Etihad Stadium. Gee, this is difficult, isn't it, for you? Well, look, I've got to rely on two things. I've got to rely on the principal, Charlie. It's just round one. You can't read anything out of round one and you never know. Round one form isn't necessarily indicative of what your form is going to be for the rest of the season. The Bulldogs started well last year. Maybe this is our opposite approach. Maybe our approach is to not start well and get us into gear in a way that we didn't do last season. I wish West Coast hadn't looked so good on Sunday night. Um, Short week for them. That would have been a pretty big game. Apparently the ground was quite hard on the new stadium. Um, they don't travel very well uh, to Victoria. So I'm, look, I'm going to pick the Bulldogs anyway, but I'm going to suggest that we should win. Like, well, you know what? This will tell me one way or the other whether I just give up on football for the rest of the season. This is my game. This is my game. I'm putting it on the line two rounds in. Depending on how uh, the Bulldogs go against West Coast is how I will feel about the rest of the season. Bulldogs to win. Okay, Bulldogs to win. That's all I got. You went into a strange Skype hole for a second there, and I, I didn't hear most of what you said. Something about the Eagles having a hard game last week, and you reckon the Bulldogs will win? Yeah, Bulldogs. All right, next game is a belter. Sydney taking on Port Adelaide up at the SCG. Whew, I mean, what a great game that should be, right? Should be, yeah. I mean, I think you have to... I, Sydney seemed irresistible at home in that kind of form. With Buddy... I mean, Buddy kicked eight goals in WA. Imagine him at the SCG. That would have been 16 goals if he'd been playing at the SCG. Um, you know, coming back from a big game, though, traveling across the country. Uh, I mean, look, I, I'm still going to say Sydney, but, you know, it wouldn't surprise me if Port Adelaide... You know, it's nice for Koshy as president. He doesn't have to leave Sydney to go to the game. So, I mean, there's no travel for Koshy. I don't know how that affects their preparation, but Koshy doesn't have to travel... <laughs> I'm going to pick Sydney. <laughs> yeah, me too. And the last game is the, uh, the the blockbuster, Geelong taking on Hawthorne at the MCG. Now, if Paddy's back, look, Hawthorne were good, but I still reckon Geelong, Geelong seem a level above. Can you, 
we didn't talk about it in the actual game, the Melbourne-Geelong uh, game, but you saw that tackle on Selwood where it looked like he'd done his knee or his ankle or something? Well, I had stepped away from the computer for a minute because I was watching the game while I was doing some other things. And I just had gone like downstairs to make a cup of tea or something. And I had my phone with me. And um, up on the, the thing, it came up an alert going, Selwood's done his like, you know, ACL or something. <laughs> like something serious. Yeah. And then I came back upstairs and I was like, hang on, he's playing. Jeez, he's amazing. Yeah. You cannot break him. He's so tough. He's indestructible. Unbelievable. Two hundred. 250th game. Unbelievable. Well, you, did you see that the Geelong advertiser gave out as merch, you know, like at the at the Bob Murphy's 300th, there was Bob masks uh, yeah. that they had given out headbands, like, uh, you know, bandages. So everyone in the crowd was wearing <laughs> bandages around their heads. <laughs> it's like a tribute to his team. That's TV. great. <laughs> All right. So that uh, that's the last game of the round. Um, thank you for tuning in. God knows why. Um, yeah. We it's been two weeks in a row now where we've had some actual like calamitous fuck ups. Um, I'll try and read the dates of of, of messages in future before. <laughs> right, Let's not start promising people. Um, I think you know. Look, Charlie. Clearly, this podcast is in a rebuild. Um, yeah, <laughs> you know, we're not going to be going for the finals this year. There's going to be other better yeah. podcasts that are in better positions to make a run for it. We're just really in a. You know, we're throwing it around. Um, you know, we're going to play some yeah. players out of position, uh, and we, you know, yeah. we're going to hopefully rebuild. Get some, get some game, get some games, games into the youngsters. Yeah, we oh, look. We didn't have a preseason. You know, it's tough when you haven't had a yeah. preseason. You know, we've come into the season, you know, without a bit of conditioning. Underdone. Yeah. So you know, yeah. Mm. Uh, if you want to support the show, uh, you can go to our Patreon page, which is patreon.com forward slash tofop t o f o p. Uh, it's just a way that we can uh, uh, pay for this show, get Mike Howell on board, um, uh, uh, book things, get equipment, all that kind of stuff. Basically, keep the lights on. Um, we don't have a sponsor so far this year. We had Holden last year. Um, we're still hoping to get someone on board. But in the meantime, if you guys can support the show by going to our Patreon page, you can donate any amount you want. It's a monthly deduction um, from your credit card or, or your bank account. Um, but it, we really rely on it at the moment to kind of keep things going. We've got it's not just for this show it's for all the podcasts we do and if you're interested in those podcasts as well you can go to tofop.com and check out our other podcasts tofop philosophy is back for this yeah, year so uh, by the time that people hear this the first episode should be out and if you're a footy fan the first episode of philosophy is with uh, samantha lane talking all about the aflw and uh, being a football journalist and her life so it's really fascinating and i'm going to put out a bunch of comedy festival ones i've done dave hughes and rod quantock and anyway hamish blake there's a whole bunch of really fun people coming out as podcasts and uh, you can check that and yeah like charlie said uh you know mike Hall, our producer you know is also d- does those for me so that money comes out of anything that you help us with on the patreon so if you want to hear more podcasts you know um, it helps us to be able to pay James Fosdyke and to pay Michael and everybody and sort of get it all done. Uh, it comes out because of your support and your generosity. Um, unless you're a massive, massive company who'd like to come on and solely support us, in which case we would be very grateful for that opportunity to constantly plug your product <laughs> to everybody because it's heaps easier than begging people individually to get on board. 
You can also go to uh, a Two Guys, One Cup Facebook page if you want to uh, talk about the episodes, engage with other people who listen to the show, or send us a message. I will try in future to read the date of these messages, but we love getting your uh, rumors, whispers from the West. If you've got any info on the headbands, anyone with any insider information, um, send it our way. We'll talk about it on the show. We love getting uh, feedback from you guys. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, if you are in Melbourne at the moment, I am doing four weeks of shows as part of the Melbourne International Comedy Festival. My show is called We're Legal. It's about me getting arrested in Wagga Wagga. And um, uh, it starts, well, probably tonight when you're hearing this, but uh, Wednesday night. And uh, Good Friday is my official opening night. I mean, obviously, Good Friday, people go away for the Easter weekend. So there are good tickets available for Good Friday. Um, I would recommend don't go to the Saints and North. Come and see me tell some jokes about being arrested instead. Is that are they on it? Yeah, they're on exactly the same time, aren't they? How? What am I going to do? What is Sophie's choice? Well, I you're in America. My club so or one of my best friends. Watch the footy. <laughs> <laughs> All right, play on. Not fifteen. Bolt. We are two guys, one. Guy.